The beauty of Chosen Family is it's about this ever-growing, ever-changing, figuring out how to feel accepted and loved. And I actually think that we're going backwards to what has existed through all of human history. It's it actually, we moved away from the natural order of things of chosen family. So, you know, in the beginning of time, people lived in tribes or villages or communities where children and people were raised by a group, not immediate family only. Like this is actually inherent in us is the idea of chosen family and being together and not going through life as like a small modular unit, but actually as a greater one. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. I'm your host, Nicole Ingram. And I'm your host, Hannah Warren. Hey friends, today on Living Centered, Hannah and I get to sit down with my dear friend, Shanae Alexander, to talk all things friendship. Shanae is an entrepreneur, lifestyle personality, writer, speaker, and mental health advocate based in Brooklyn, New York. In all her work, her goal is to empower people to be better through positive thinking, active change, and self-love. Since gaining a following online for her candid, insightful approach to the many nuances of life, people have been turning to her for advice. She brings her trademark honesty to all questions, big and small, on her podcast, Press Send, and also shares life with her community online at Shanae Alexander on Instagram. There are many things to love about Shanae, but one of the best things about her is that she shows up 100% herself 100% of the time, and this translates into her friendships as well. In this conversation, we dig into the beauty and the power of community as Shanae shares some of the insights she's learned throughout her many years of turning friends into family. Get ready to laugh and to take notes. Please welcome my friend, Shanae Alexander. Hey friends, we have a serious treat today. I'm sitting here with two of my faves, two of my absolute faves. Serious treat. They already laughed at me before I even really said anything. So here we go. We're starting off on the right foot. We've got Shanae Alexander here with us today, who is, we've already introduced her, but she's kind of like my real life bestie, also the internet's bestie. So Mm. I think... That bears mentioning before we get now into she gets to be my best. She's now Hannah's new bestie. Perfect. <laughs> I'm ready, Hannah. Come into the thing. come into the family. It's happening. I love it. But today, Shanae, we wanted to explore with you this idea of community and friends as chosen family, and kind of talk through and tease out the many iterations of community. You're involved in obviously a digital community as a content creator and also kind of someone who has historically been curating like a really beautiful community that stuck with you through kind of the ebbs and flows of life. So this will be just like kind of a meandering conversation and I am so excited about the paths it might take. But if you kind of just for our listeners want to introduce yourself, like who are you? I know who you are. Hannah is about to know she's already your best friend so she's yeah, dive in, in. Yeah. we're ready um yes yeah, so i'm gonna kick it to you my friend 
Yeah, I uh, have lived in New York for, oh my gosh, it's about to be almost 20 years, which is really wild and like feels like a merit badge of its own. I feel like I should get some key to the city or something at this point. Right. It would be like a key shaped as a rat or something, I'm fairly (laughs) sure. But I've lived in New York City for a long time. I'm from Texas. I am an only child from Texas. So, you know, not a large family. And I know we're going to be talking about community and kind of friends as family today. So my my real family is like fairly small. I don't have a huge interconnected extended family. And I've moved, I moved every three years of my childhood. So basically I was always on the run. I was always meeting new friends. And now I've kind of transitioned to doing that professionally. So I am kind of a professional friend on the internet. And then I also try to, Uh, give myself some street cred by, you know, funneling that deeply into my real interpersonal relationships. But yeah, it's been a really interesting kind of ride navigating building community and life, like deep life in a city that is known as a place for people to not have roots. Mm. And an internet that is known for not really having real relationships and roots. I never thought about that parallel, like the transience of New York and how, because I think there's a choice that you make to, to root yourself anywhere, right? But that is everyone kind of moving past you and choosing like, I'm doubling down and also like, I'm going to make, <laughs> I'm going to have real deep relationships. I do think there's a... In, in big cities that are filled with transient kind of people, I think there's a choice that you can make, like dipping a toe in the water and not getting too close because you, for fear that people might leave you. And I, I don't think that you have really taken that route. So, you know, there's this analogy that I came up with a few years ago, and it was I, I used to go to friends' houses in New York City or apartments, rather. God, we, we wish they were houses. <laughs> but, you know, I would walk to people's houses, walk around people's houses, and I would see um, kind of like their art leaned up against the walls or like there was no art on the walls. And I started to think about that a lot in, in the, the real way of, I want to ground myself and root myself in spaces and act like I will be there forever and make my present reality feel as beautiful as I can. But I realized that was like a really interesting metaphor for how people see relationships a lot of times in cities like New York is I don't want to ever hang my art on the walls or get too cozy with people because you never know when you're going to move. You never know when you're going to move into a new apartment or move away from the city. And I feel like people see relationships a little bit that way here sometimes is I don't know when I'm going to leave, so I might as well keep it light. Yeah. I might mention here now, Hannah's lived a lot of places and actually has, and you've got some tried and true people in your tribe as well. So I'd love to hear your thoughts there. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. I too have moved around a lot, moved uh, quite a bit as a youth, but then in my adult life have moved. I I was on like a cadence of like every two years and I've now been in Nashville for only about four, but it's the longest I've stayed in for a while anywhere. And so it's been interesting to kind of learn that because I think I was really comfortable with that. Like I don't have to hang my art up (laughs) uh, concept with friends, you know, it's like here for a good time, not for a long time. I had friends all over the country. It was great. 
life. I was, I remember distinctly in my twenties taking a road trip across the country and it was great. Cause I was like, I have somewhere to stay everywhere. Like I had so many friends I wanted to see. Um, but at the end of the day, didn't really have people that I kind of felt connected and tethered to in, in a place. And there is something so beautiful and sacred about choosing a place. And that's been like kind of a rub in me in Nashville, if I'm honest, because I didn't really want it to be Nashville. And, and I don't know if it will be forever, but I've kind of chosen in the last couple of years to say like, but it is for now. And how do I, I mean, I have that conversation with my partner right now. We're like, we're in a rental and we want to move out of it, but I really want to paint. And so it's like, I want this to be my home too. And that's kind of been for me, what have I've kind of um, taken up in the last couple of years. It's like, how is this my home? How are these people? my home. And I still have really kind of deep connections to people that have been that for me in different places. But there is a reality of like, they can be that from afar. And I have to choose my family here. And like, even if it's not necessarily like my all star list of like, everyone I would choose from all over the country that have like shared those sacred spaces with me. But equally as important, I have my like home team here that I've chosen to invest with. And I think that's so powerful. Hannah, we're all going to make you, this is your accountability, paint the damn walls. I know. So everybody, everybody that's listening to the podcast, we're going to follow up in two to three weeks and we're going to check and see if the walls are painted. I see them right now, Hannah. I'm checking in on you. They're great. They're not great. No, probably not what you would choose. So be thinking. I know. I feel like you do have some um, sample chips somewhere adjacent to where you are right now. They're all over my desk, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So y'all met in a transient world, I make up. How do you guys know each other? I love that I'm getting to like eavesdrop in on this conversation around community with people that actually are in community mm. with each other. I think yeah. there's such a, I, I love, it's a, it feels like a gift to watch that unfold like in real time. So thank you for letting me join in. And it's awesome to be an outsider to say like, how do we apply these things to our friendships, like my world and my community? Uh, so how did y'all come to be friends? Shanae, I will... Do you remember the first time we met? I do. So I'll... I'm oh, wow. That's a lot of pressure. I knew a lot about Nicole before I knew Nicole, and I knew people in her world. And I think that's a really... when when I, One of the most common questions I get online is, like, how do I make new friends, especially in my 20s and 30s, like post-college, or even 40s and 50s. And um, I think it's really hard to make friends as an adult uh, because you're your life is rolling. You know, you, you no longer have that perfect community like school or, you know, a camp or an organization. It's like you either are friends with people at work or you have to really make an effort. But what, what I think was a beautiful part of Nicole and I meeting was I had this huge group of people that kind of like vouched for her as she's my friend. And so when I first met her, I was just like, well, this is done. This is this is a done deal. But Nicole, I'm interested to know when when you think we met or when you know we met. So I know like I I don't even know that I could say we met. It was when I first moved to New York, which is like summer of 2011. I feel like you might have been wearing fur <laughs> still. Even uh, a vintage, everyone, vintage. Yeah, calm down, calm down. Vintage or like okay. faux. Let's call it. Faux. It was like a faux fur stole, maybe. Probably yeah. was real. But I was like, this <laughs> it was probably real. Yes, there, there was like maybe a flag football game in Prospect Park. Does this feel like? Yep, I yep. know this day. Yeah. And then a lot of people that we're still friends with were there. But yes. I remember being like, I love how extra this woman is in the summer, in the heat of the day. 
at this flag football game. And then for a flag football is a lot. <laughs> yes. It was I'm, I'm more of an onlooker than anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Bring this next. But I similar to I think there's this notion of um friends by proximity that we kind of like buy into. Um culturally maybe as a young person it's like oh this person lives in my neighborhood or these people this makes sense because this is convenient and there's nothing wrong with that I I mean even still I have such dear friends that I've made on my street alone in my neighborhood that's like that's like one little circle of community right and I think proximity then can become more of an issue as an adult because our life doesn't maybe have so much margin we know this I'm not telling you anything that you know you haven't thought about like (laughs) ad ad nauseum um it's hard to sit in traffic to like make it to a thing sometimes or like to get from across town or whatever in New York I think because it it can be really easy to get around but also just hard with you know the flow of your day and so Shanae was in a part of Brooklyn that did not touch my part of Brooklyn easily or well Fast forward, we were in a wedding together. We had to make some flower crowns. That'll date. That'll date the sort of wedding time, right? That was like a certain. Yeah. Time. If you need to know when we met, it was when flower crowns flower were crowns. up and coming. Yeah. <laughs> like festival girl was definitely like a look, a wedding look. But for real, I think when we went from surface to deep pretty quickly, and sometimes I think when someone. Um, also has like an aesthetic that's so fun and feels like frivolous and light. You maybe don't know unless you move toward them with curiosity, what they're made of. And I remember thinking that you were like extra and then, Oh dear, deep. Well, this one, this is a deep. You also had no idea how deep the extra well was like the personality. (laughs) Well, but also like you had no idea how high maintenance I am as a human being. So (laughs) I I, I like, I like baited you and then I drug you in. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I will say, I will say though, like, you know, I, th- I love that point about curiosity because I feel like in this day and age, we are um, not a curious people about others. So we want to know. It's kind of like I give a lot of dating advice and so many women, particularly that's who my audience is, not because I think women are any different in this way. But, you know, before you go on a date, you've, you know, you met someone on an app, you've Googled them, you know, if they have like a retirement account, you've looked at their LinkedIn accidentally and you know, then later was informed that they, they know if you look at that, I'm going to raise my hand on that one. Um, but you know, you know, you know, people's resume. And so you don't go in into it with this, like, amount of curiosity, you have this curiosity that's private, versus like having that curiosity in person. And I think, I think showing up, whether it's a, a stranger and small talk, or if it's a new friend, or if you're sitting at a dinner party or a wedding, Showing up with a curiosity in person and letting go some of the relational anxiety, if you can, of I don't know what to expect, saying, saying, I don't know what to expect. And I'm very, very compelled by that. And I think that's something that compels me is we have so little unexpected moments in our day. So, so few unexpected moments that like when we can have them with others and meeting others and letting people kind of like make their own expectations come alive. I think that's a really incredible thing that we don't do often. And so I love that. I love that comment on curiosity, Nicole, because I I don't think, I think we, we want to manage what's going to happen a lot in life. And I'm sure you guys 
feel this way too sometimes is like, I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know who's going to be there. I want to have like, you know, my weird talking points of like how my week was, what's going on with me. And, and I wonder if we showed up with kind of a little bit more abandon, what that would do for us. I love that. That is like such a central thing of what we do at Onsite. So some of the deepest relationships I've ever formed were during my time at Onsite in a group experience. And I think something that kind of allows for that is the container in which we create uh, relationships there. We ask people not to share what they do. And that I feel like I'd I'd be curious for you as someone that the internet knows. um, I feel like a lot of people probably make assumptions about what you do means who you are and all of that, or they think they know you because of an X, Y, Z. And I think from the little I know about you, I think you do that in a really authentic way that I do feel like some of the internet feels like they can know you and rely on you as a friend for advice, which is a really cool balance. But yeah, at Onsite, we ask people not to share what they do. And it really does cultivate so much curiosity and so much like safety when we're just like getting to know someone for who they are, sharing experiences with them, laughing with them, playing with them, like crying with them, but just uh, eliminates the barrier to getting in a more connecting on a deeper level and a much more sustainable level. Because when all we have is uh, kind of like all those resume talking points, then when those go away, when we've run, run out of that or those change, like if my job changes or something like that, then like, what do we have to connect on anymore? So what is that like for you as someone who cares so deeply about community in real life, also really living that on the internet and cultivating community on the internet? I think uh, for me, it's, you know, one of the greatest compliments friends will give me or people that have known me forever is they're like, yep, you're kind of the same as you show up. Like the person you are online is the person you are in person. And, and I think I think we do so much manufacturing or t- tweaking of managing other people's view of who we are or or kind of like uh, tweaking this persona from from others and I think people can smell it out so quickly of when we are trying to manufacture ourselves and and it's not really relatable on this podcast for me to go into talking about like tips and tricks to becoming an authentic influencer. Like, ah, this is not what this is about. I will say this is no matter if you're showing up to your, your, your mommy play group, the internet, your banking job, to church, wherever you're showing up, to group therapy, whatever it is, I think we don't give people enough credit for how intuitive they are about the, the, the disparities that could be from who you present you are and who you really are. And for me, it's just so much more tiring to be someone else. Like it is exhausting to be someone else and people can almost smell and feel the exhaustion on you. And so, so for me, it wasn't really, um, it's not really an intention. It's, it's not even a choice for me. It's, I don't want to exhaust myself by trying to be something I'm not. And I think that no matter how good we are at the PR of our own selves and the PR of our own life, we're not that good at it. Because I think you think that you can curate this view and other people will have this view of of you dependent on like how you carry yourself or how proper you are. And I think as, you know, particularly me, I identify as woman and I think women have been inbred a lot of the time to be like, 
okay, I have to be proper, respectable, funny, charming, not too charming, you know, all of these things. And, and we're so busy trying to curate an image, we lose ourselves in the process. And so for me, letting go of like what people might think of what I'm doing has been extremely freeing and kind of being like, well, if you want to come along, let's do this. If you don't totally get it, I don't want to be a mild taste. And I think, I think, I think everyone should live like that. Don't be a mild taste for people. Like, you know, think about a restaurant. You only remember if it's good or bad. If it's the worst meal you've ever had, someone set your table on fire, or if it, you know, was mind-numbingly good. So for me, I'd rather be memorable than mild. And I think that wins you friends. I do. And it might win you enemies at the same time. But, you know, when you stop caring so much. Yeah. Something interesting about what you're saying is, um, Shanae, like you're you're putting it all out there in this really beautiful way. Like the authenticity piece is totally there. And some people have they spend their whole lives trying to figure out like what it means to live as their authentic selves. And so it's really beautiful to, to kind of know and experience you as someone who just is like, okay, I'm actually going to be the same. Like I'm not compartmentalizing my story or who I am or showing up, you know, this way and not in this arena and not that way. Right. Um, or in not that arena, but I think I'm thinking about privacy and or boundaries in relationship to kind of what you share with people online and kind of back to Hannah's question in terms of like community in real life and then community um, in the digital space, which is also real life, right? That's also a, a, an aspect of our real lives. What has that looked like for you? I would imagine that's evolved over time because people's access to you has grown and we're living in a different time and things have gotten increasingly polarized. And I'm just so curious. I think if, you know, from the perspective of someone who knows you well, but also I'm moving toward you with curiosity because I actually don't know where you stand on this. What are the measures that you've put in place to kind of keep things healthy? Like, I think I would venture to imagine that your in real life community kind of helps keep the guardrails on for you in the digital space. And I don't know that that's true. I'd love to hear you kind of unpack that for us. I think so many people, especially people online, it's such a, black and white view of what they feel like they have to share, share everything or nothing, you know? And it's like, you can, you can kind of uh, talk about your life and share your life, but also keep some things interesting for yourself. But also like for me, presence when I'm with the people I love is really important. And so that boundary itself, like just wanting to be present and it's not a boundary. I think so many of us are like, I want to be off my phone. And I think a reframe for that is I want to be with my people. And so that inevitably like keeps you off your phone. You know, whether that's like, I don't have children, but if I did, it's like, I want to be with my kids right now. I want to be with my family. And so that really like positive desire becomes the boundary. And so for me, I don't have a filter on anything. There is nothing that I will not talk about online. I have talked about sex. I have talked about mental health. I have talked about medication, therapy, relationships, breakups. I've cried. I've laughed. I've been ridiculous. But for me, the biggest boundary is in my real life, I want to be fully showing up as myself. That doesn't mean I'm never going to take a photo or whatever. But if I'm at a meal or we're at a function, it's like, 
how do you, you know, what are the boundaries look like for you? For me, it looks like, hey, maybe take a couple photos and then put my phone away for the rest of the night. The best weekends I spend are not documented online. And for me, it, you know, let's talk a little bit social media biz, but it tanks my engagement. It tanks the algorithm for me, but it, it fills my soul. So what the hell does it matter? Like I just checked this morning, I got on, on to Instagram to, you know, start Monday morning work. And I was like, wow, I haven't posted in five days. And I've like posted stories, but like that was, wow, five days. But the truth is, is I was spending time in real life doing the things that I like. And for me also, what I want to be showing up for my community online, because they are still important to me. It's not a, you know, it's not a second best. It's just a different depth is I want to be showing up to add value to them. So if I'm not adding value, I don't want to go on just to suck up people's time and energy. It's like, do I have something to say? Can I make you laugh? Can I make you feel less alone? Can I educate you? Or can I share something that might help you? And if it's none of those things, I can shut up. Yeah. Today, before we hopped on this call, I called Nicole and was like, give me the lowdown. You know, what, what do I need to know going into this? And she said, about to your, to your point, she said that you're one of the most present people that she knows. And that oftentimes when we think about people that have personas or jobs on the internet as well, we often think of them. And, and we've probably dealt with some people like that. I know I have, have had influencer friends that are, that I do feel the like negative side effects of that of like, I just want you to be with me. But I love, I love that A, that you live into that so much, but I love the reframe of like, it's not just, I want to have better boundaries with my phone. It's like a value of yours. I want to be with my people. I want to be where I'm at. We did a, a podcast last week with one of our therapists and we kind of talked about like habits and rhythms. And so often people think about like breaking a bad habit, but we kind of took it from the lens of like, but what if we were making our choices out of these value-based decisions? And so it sounds like people and presence in your life is really important to you. And therefore it's a no brainer. Like, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to choose this. I'm not sacrificing like time on my phone. I would be sacrificing. I imagine even the depth of, and the commitment of relationships that you do have because you have chosen people over product or things like that. And I think that shows in your relationships. It's also, uh, I, I, I think, you know, for me, the, the reframing is, I think that goes across the board with my relationships in general. It's also like several years ago, I used to be a quantity person, a quantity relationship person. Let me have as many friendships as I can. Let me know everyone. I, I think I knew most people like south of 14th Street in Manhattan. I think <laughs> I, I really do. And so, but one of those things that like is some, some would say is a boundary or like, you know, uh, maybe some would say, oh, you've restricted time with some people that are not, you know, your close friends. But the reframe for me is I am, I want to pour in deeply with the people that like there is an energy exchange and also the people that continue to push me to be better. But then also that, you know, I feel like I can be an edifying source for them. And so it's, you know, some might say, oh, you cut people out of it. Like, you know, you see these these things on the internet, like these, like, uh, uh, they're like, they're not even memes. It's like, I don't even know what they are. You find them a lot on Facebook. It's like, cut toxic people out of your life. And you're like, and you're like, it's on some like weird background that they made clearly like, you know, 
on like a meme generator on their phone. But it's like, it's like, okay, yes, sure. Talk, cut toxic people out of your life. But I think that actually goes a little deeper. It's like, what do you want to add to your life? What do you want to deepen in your life? What do you want to hang on to and enrich versus what do you want to take away? And those things naturally fall away. You know, those types of relationships fall away. Um, Those types of interactions fall away that are not, you know, I think I think most of us don't have that many toxic people in our life. Truthfully, we have a lot of people that may not like make us feel amazing or that we walk away questioning things about ourselves. I think that's a lot more frequent, you know, and there's going to be some of those people that you can't get rid of, like, you know, maybe like a, a boss or a coworker or something like that. But in the rest of your life, you can do a good cleanup job. Hey friends, Nicole here interrupting this amazing conversation with Shanae to talk about the Living Centered program. We've been discussing in this interview how important it is to make sure we are taking care of ourselves so that we can show up well for the others in our life. It seems counterintuitive that the best thing you can do for your relationships is to take care of yourself, but it's true. We often look outside ourselves to fix our relationships, but the reality is we need to change the things we can. We need to turn inward. The Living Centered program was designed to help you quiet the noise and bring you back to center. It's an invitation home to your true self. The Living Center program is a six-day workshop led by expert therapists who will guide you in exploring, deconstructing, and rewriting your narratives. Our beautiful campus and retreat-like setting allows you a break from your daily distractions and provides the clarity needed to reestablish congruence between your feelings, your values, and your actions so that you might live a more intentional, meaningful, and fulfilling life. When you reconnect with who you really are, you are able to connect with others in a deeper and more meaningful way, and this brings about continued health and healing for you and the ones you love. OnSite's vision is an emotionally well world, humanity reconnected, and human connection, our relationships, are absolutely vital to our ongoing healing and growth. We would love to explore if the Living Centered program might be a fit for you. You can connect with our team by calling one 800 341-7432 or visit us at experienceonsite.com. I think all of what you're saying is really neutralizing because I think so many people think like, I don't know how to make friends. They're like, I don't know how to have community. And so much of what you've said is like, you've just allowed yourself to remove some of the expectations and roles and leaned into who you are. And that has allowed you to experience kind of deep relationships both in in person and in your online community like like you've said like you're not here to be a mild taste like you have this authentic community that I imagine probably really respects you being offline for the weekend and really likes to listen when you do talk because you've kind of earned their trust that you're not just creating for the algorithm and things like that and and that's not just a thing in an in internet world I think that's a thing in real life too of like we so often worry about like XYZ of how to make friends or how to be a whatever, find people. And we get so caught up in the process that we forget like who we want to be in the process and what type of friends we actually long for and what type of relationships we want, what type of friend we can be. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts around, it sounds like you give a lot of tips around like making friends like that. What would be kind of your advice to people that maybe it's not about the tips, but it's more about embracing who they are. What would you say to people that are kind of looking for deep friendships? A lot of people don't want to do the work of vulnerability when it comes to putting yourself out there with the fact that you do want friends. 
Because it sucks to be 35 and saying, I'm going to try to make new friends. It's It sucks. Right. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. And like, we've like, to even utter those words, you're just like, man, I thought I was done with this. This is like elementary school. You know, I thought I had built in some like longevity here. But the thing is, is I'm not who I was at 25 and I'm not who I was at 20 and I'm not who I was at 15. And while I have some of those friends, like Nicole and I have been friends since our early 20s. So it's like, or mid 20s, I should say, don't date us too much. But it's like, you know, some of those friends grow with you and some just don't. And so we're always in need, I think, for kind of like adding people to the pot, adding ingredients to your pot. And so for me, the first and and major step is saying, hey, I, I'd like to meet some new friends. And that is a hard thing for people to say because it makes you feel like a loser. And the, the thing is, is everybody wants to make more friends. Everyone, everyone, everyone would like to have some new, a breath of fresh air into their friend group. And so knowing that it's not weird, that everybody wants friends. Number two, it's about doing the work of finding people and reaching out to people and not being uh, afraid of rejection. And so rejection is a part of life, obviously, but very few people are going to really vastly reject you like you think they would. You know, not that many people are going to say, you know, a girl after yoga class that you might see there three times a week. If you ask her to go get a juice after yoga class, she's probably not going to spit in your face. I know that it feels like that internally, that she might just spit in your face and slam the door and and suffocate you with a yoga mat. But that's not what's going to happen. She's actually going to either say, yeah, I'd love to, or next week, or, oh my God, I have to go relieve my babysitter. Like, I can't do it after class, but maybe some other time. Even that slight rejection is nothing compared to what you might receive in return. So for me, it's all about like also putting yourself out there and ask if you move to a new city ask for people that you know that might know people in that city like hook me up set me on a blind date with some friends like who should I meet who could I have an intro to meet people on the internet join groups like these things are all a little scary but they actually work yeah I'm remembering one of your dear friends who became a friend of mine you actually dm'd her and said like do you want to come over for dinner and you were like was that was that like the worst mistake before she came, ended up, spoiler alert, she comes over for dinner and now you guys are like besties. But you, I remember you were like, gosh, I just really, I really threw it out there. Like come over to my actual, here's my address. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually heard her on a podcast and I thought she was really funny. And so I DM'd her on Instagram and I was literally like, hey, you seem really cool. And I heard on the podcast that you live in Brooklyn. Would you want to like get together for drinks or something? And then it ended up being a rainy night. And I said, I know this is really weird. I texted her. I said, I know this is really weird, but like, would you just want to come over and hang out at my house? And the first time I met this person was as she's walking through my front door. So, you know, and, and we became extremely close. We remain really close. So it's, you know, you sometimes do have to do this. I mean, obviously don't, don't invite just anyone into your house. Don't, don't meet someone on the street and then, you know, invite them to your home, Yeah. but don't, don't tell them the keys under the mat. You know what I mean? But like, put yourself, put yourself out there, but also, you know, how do you find a good restaurant? You ask a friend, how do you find a good friend? Ask a friend. Mm, I love that. 
Can I ask, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, go for it. Please. When you're looking for friends, what is the quality or qualities that really initially stand out for you in like what you're looking for, but also how they make you feel? Like, how do you want to feel when you meet someone that's a potential friend? And what do you look for in qualities in them? Mm, it's such a great question. I think one barometer for me, and Shanae, I've shared this with you. I think, Hannah, you, we might have talked about this before. I'd be curious to see if your partner feels the same way. But when my partner, when I come home and my partner senses sort of like the light around me, like the all the good things have been kind of dredged up from the, like, <laughs> you know, the bottom of me, he will alert me. And, and I usually already, he doesn't have to like, let me know it's, I already know, but that is the kind of, I want to come home, not feeling, you know, how sometimes you spend time with someone you're like, Oh gosh, not that it was a waste of time, but like, who that was, that was hard or sticky or something about it just didn't feel, didn't settle in your soul. I don't want, I don't, I'm not looking for more of that. Right. Like there's enough hard stuff in the world. And that doesn't mean that relationships can't be hard. Cause I think when we're talking real community, um, when you forge that there's obviously, or there's often there's a barrier of entry and things can be really like romantic in the beginning. And then when you start to really get in the deep, the deep, dirty, hard, messy stuff with people, that's like where the real, the real beauty lies is like, can we get through that together and over that hump and, so I guess, I, you know, I feel so rich in love with friendship. So I'm not like necessarily on the hunt for the the deep, the, that level of depth. Like I don't, I feel like, oh, I want to be better with the people that I have in my life. But I will say, can, does someone seem like they can handle something hard? And or can they handle my heart? Like if I present that to them, because I think I do have a lot of good time, good time gals, good time guys and gals in my life. Love those Enneagram sevens. I also have to have people who want to talk about hard, hard stuff. And that doesn't mean that no sevens can, but like, let's have a great, let's have a great time. But also I'm really interested in moving towards people who can like trudge through the like hard parts of life. Laughter helps that. It's like obviously the best, the best medicine. And like, definitely they can really help like ease, you know, it's like the grease of life, like really help us move through the hard stuff. Um, And that's just really fun. And then lastly, I think shared affinity is often kind of what can attract us to people sometimes. And I don't always think that that serves me well. Like I actually kind of want to meet people who don't look like me, who don't think like me, who are coming from a completely different background and context, social context, um, like their childhood story, whatever. I find that better parts of me come out when I am open to something that's very other than my like lived experience and my day to day. And so I think shared affinity is a beautiful way to connect with someone. Like, especially if you don't like the same things that can be funny too. you kind of catch eyes with someone at a, you know, I don't know, at an art gallery and you both hate the same painting or whatever that can be fun. I don't want all my friends to share all my thoughts and feelings. Like that's not, that's not what I'm looking yeah. for. So yeah. that's long winded, but those are kind no, of I love those. I'm thinking of, about as like someone who is, a little bit older and has a little more wisdom under my belt, like difference is helpful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'd, uh, I'd agree with a ton of that. I think um, presence really comes to mind. I feel like 
yeah, just not feeling like I'm fighting for someone's attention, that their energy is given towards me when I'm with them. It's really valuable to me and also really vulnerable to me, I feel like, if we're honest. You know, it's like if I, uh, I, I feel like another thing that came to mind was like that I get to take off some of the roles that I usually play in relationship. And so just getting to just be with someone and not have to be the planner or the facilitator or the question asker. Like I can do those things when I'm in a deep friendship, but also not have to play those things. And so also another like vulnerability, because if I stop asking questions, even right now, like you were like, can I ask you a question? It's like, okay, <laughs> I, like, I can't control it anymore. But I think that's that really alluring to me um, in friendship. And then I think, I think like unglamorous is something I'm looking for in friendships too. I think like you said, it's kind of easy to find people for the good times and, and not like just like unglamorous because life is shitty sometimes, but also just like, are you going to call me? Are you going to just check in on me? Or can I just call you about a Tuesday or whatever? Just so kind of looking for that consistency and that presence in someone's life. Uh, I, I too was a big quantity friend gal. I had, you know, hundreds of friends. And now I feel like I probably have like, 10 that I really love and I wouldn't change that at all. Like I still am connected to a ton of people and I care about a lot of people, but at the end of the day, I'm really feel known by and really know a small handful of people. And so I think that that like unglamorous nature, um, which actually I think would, I'm really curious how this could lead into how we, we set out in this conversation talking about chosen family, like family of friends. And I think that unglamorous piece is really big for me when I think about like my chosen family. And I think as we kind of begin to talk about chosen family, I think sometimes with that term, people can think like, oh, you hate your family <laughs> or like your family is shit or toxic or whatever. And I think it's like good to clarify, like, no, you can have a, a healthy relationship with your biological or birth or adoptive or whatever family of origin that you come from and really choose to invest in a family of your own. And like I, I have a healthy relationship with my family, but my life family is a group of friends that I've chosen. And those are people that... I spend holidays with a lot. And those are people that I call when my car breaks down. So I'd love to kind of talk about like what has chosen family look like for either of you. And I think from a mental health lens, like why is that important? Like, I think we often say it on site, like relationships aren't just like a nice to have, like we need them. <laughs> we need relationships. We need a whole spectrum of relationships. We don't just need the deep ones. We do need the ones that like sustain us in our day to days and that we have at work and that have boundaries and like all of that too. But relationships are key to our survival really and our healing and our growth. And I'd love to talk about kind of how you see that play out in chosen families. First of all, I love like the, the the like messiness and allowing yourself to be like kind of unglamorous. I'm a huge fan of that. I think you're really right. Like it's not a lack in your family that you come from. It can be. It certainly yeah, can totally. be. But I think it doesn't have to be. It's more about like the the beauty of chosen family is it's about this ever growing, ever changing figuring out how to feel accepted and loved. And I actually think that we're going backwards to what has existed through all of human history. It's it actually, we moved away from the natural order of things of chosen family. So, you know, in the beginning of time, people lived in tribes or villages or communities where, you know, children and people were raised 
by a group, not immediate family only. Like this is actually inherent in us is the idea of chosen family and being together and not going through life as like a small modular unit, but actually as a greater one. And so I actually think it's this hearkening and I think it's this desire of all of us to go back to a way of, especially in cities that can be sometimes, you know, a little isolating is, you know, it's like, how do I make my, my, my big city feel like a village again? And for me, that was about, okay, my family doesn't live near me. So what does that look like? And also the, the beautiful thing for me has been not only having friends and, 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 you know, girlfriends going out in the town or whatever, but it's like, knowing their partners, knowing their children, going through death, going through marriage, going through like any sort of loss. Like, I think you start as friends and you move toward family and with every kind of like depth inducing moment, whether that be like joy, like in the last few months, like, I've been through friends, I've been with with friends through illness, death, birth, like so much in each of those moments, and even maybe some of the more benign moments just together, they, they, they move us from friendship to family. And I can honestly say like my friendship's not only here in New York, because I mean, Nicole lives in Nashville, you know, I have friends that live all over the country that I feel as close to as my real family. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, okay, well, if I value my friends more than I value my family, what does that mean? And like, shouldn't I be closer with my family? And I say like, why can't you have both? You know, like, like take what you need. And also like, you can be the mother someone needed you can be the the caretaker someone needed. You can be the support that someone needed growing up. You, you know, you can heal broken parts together. There's so much that friendships can do. And I think the most powerful part of it is that you didn't happen to be together on accident. You happen to be together on purpose. And every time you're together, it's on purpose. I love that. I think another way to articulate that, Shanae, is kind of like growing your family. It's like we we are all born into a family, but like that can expand. And I love that it sort of takes the pressure off of some of the people in your life, your parents, your siblings, your whomever, your partner. Like these people can't be all things to us. Everyone only has so much capacity and everyone has their own story. And, you know, in, in becoming a mother, I've had, I've generated so much more empathy for my mom thinking about like, she was trying to work and be a creative and raise three kids. And it's like, that's so much, right? But I think knowing you just, you just said so beautifully, kind of like take what you need. And I think when we are rich in friendship and we move toward people and they become family, right? It's like, you've got the friend who will show up thick through thick and thin. Like, you know, that we all have that like middle of the night, whatever happens, your dog is sick, whatever you need, they will be there. 
we've got the person who lives across the country that is like the maybe monthly check-in. Like that is, that person brings out something in us. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's just to know that if we, if we ever left where we were and went back somewhere that they're there. Um, I can think of people who bring out my creativity in ways that even my partner can't like everyone kind of has these like little keys to these parts of us. And I love that it really takes the pressure off of like, of everyone in our life. It's like just seeing them instead for what you, you said so beautifully in the beginning, like it's about what we were adding. I think it's like, what is this person? What can they, this sounds, as I'm articulating this, this sounds really selfish and I don't mean to frame it this way, but it's like, what can someone bring to the table? How about not just my life, but the table, like valuing people for who they actually are as they are. And they don't have to be everything. They don't have to make sense in every context. I love what you just described. It's like, that if we looked at relationships from that lens, it's such a richer experience and like could really make the world a better place if we're just thinking about like what the ingredients, right? To bring, yeah. to I, I love everything you just said. And you can be both selfish in the fact that like, I feel like so often, and this is like small tangent, but I think it's important because I think often we apologize for having needs. We're like, uh, oh, I don't mean I need things. Like I don't, I mean, just like what they bring naturally. And I want to like challenge you there and be like, no, you have needs. You have needs. And like, you do need people to come show up for your specific needs. But the beautiful thing about you and, and so many of us is if you are being a good friend and this is a symbiotic relationship, you're allowed to have needs and those people will come and run to those. But then you also know that they have those, you know, they're probably totally different needs and you run toward them and fill those things. And so I think that's actually a really beautiful part of friendship is the ability to have needs and not feel shame in asking for those needs to be filled by other people that don't have to. It's yeah. because they want to. Yeah. Beautiful distinction to make there, the choice. Yeah. And I think when we invite people into that, it draws us so much closer to it because we're not, we know that they love us enough. They have the choice to say no or that they can't. And we'll know that with, that's with good intention. Like I get, if I would ask Nicole to do something and she can't, I get that she's not like, she doesn't hate me. She can't, you know, she would if she could. But I think when we ask our, the people that we've invited to be in our lives to do that for us, I know I always feel like it's an honor. Like I don't feel a burden. I don't feel like, man, this person is really inconveniencing me. I I wish Lindsay was on this podcast. She's does chosen family better than anyone I've ever known. And I feel honored to be a part of hers. And I, she has a kid now and she's a single mom. And I absolutely love when she's like, hey, can you come watch Ben for the weekend? Or, hey, can you pick up Ben from school? I'm like, 100%. I like, it is an honor to be a part of your family. And I know I can call her about anything for myself too. Or I was out of town last week. I'm like, can you come let out my dog? And I would think like mental Hannah would be like, she can't come let out my dog. She has a family and a kid, but she's my family too. And so like the ability to like, we are all grown adults who can say no if we, if we can't do something, if our plate is full. But when you choose your family, not just in tasks, but in emotions and in relationship, like it's not just like doing things for one another, but being there for one another or celebrating with one another or grieving with one another that like, it's actually, it's pretty much always someone's joy and honor when you ask someone to do something. I will say this for all the people out there listening that might be saying like, like if you're anything like me, I'm can be the worst of, of accepting any sort of help. And, but I love to offer help. 
but I am horrible at like, first of all, never ask, would never ask, like literally like won't ask you, but I will offer and offer and offer. And one of the things that I'm personally working on is asking for help more, but also I think this, it's a very vulnerable, amazing part of friendship is when you offer and someone just says yes. And I've realized lately, I, I've been offering a lot to my friends lately because people are just, people are in the thick of it. So my friends are just like in the thick of it right now. And like some of them are in some pretty like difficult situations and, or, or great situations like having kids and things like that, but just complicated. And for example, I, I asked my friends if I, so they wouldn't have to take an Uber if I could drive them to the hospital when they were having their baby, because I was like, okay, well, I wouldn't want to go on a dirty, stinky Uber. And also I I just, I'm like, wouldn't I want like a calm when I'm trying to like go to the hospital to have my baby and just to have your friend say, yes, I will accept that. Or like, yes, I will accept you sending me dinner. Or yes, I will accept. Like, it is so life-giving and I'm learning so much for myself about watching people say yes and accepting help because I rarely do. And it's something that I want to work on is that is a way you can actually love your friends is also allowing them to be your support and not always having to be theirs. And that's how it remains, you know, balanced in any way. And, and you know, I, like I'm sitting here talking like a teacher when I'm, I'm really the student on this. Mm, that's, that's been a journey for me as well. Extending hospitality was always like, it's kind of like I grew up in an environment that, that sort of taught me how to be that way. And that I'm really grateful for that. Like I love to create space for people to come and feel cozy and welcome and seen and all the things. But on, to be on the receiving end, I wasn't, I did not learn how to do that, to your point. And I, I do think there's some like, there's probably some pride there and wanting to control things and like, keep it, keep it clean, keep it tight. Like if I'm driving the car, like we're good. That's been a journey. I'm not, I've not arrived. This is ongoing work. But what I've learned exactly as you have described so beautifully, Shanae, is that you actually are like robbing someone else of the gift of loving and of being of, of generosity and hospitality. It's like, how would anybody else grow that or like have that bucket in their heart and their life be filled if you're just constantly saying no or shutting the door? And so I think there's like so much more delight and whimsy and beauty that can occur when you actually just say yes. And I love the sort of alignment of two people, like the giver and the receiver kind of coming into contact. And there's just like some, some real magic that happens there. I love that you called that out. I'd love to, as we kind of wrap up here, I'd love to explore you. One of your hats that you wear is mental health advocate. You're a huge proponent of therapy, of doing your work. You've done yours or continuing to do yours. And I'm, as your friend, I'm so grateful. And I would love to kind of think about how doing our own work helps us show up better for the people in our in our lives, in our chosen families. I think that you having done your work has benefited your community so significantly. And Hannah, I see this in you as well. And even when I first met you, I watched you ask your partner, what'd you learn about yourself today at the end of a day? And like, give me chills even thinking about it. I love that question. It was not like in the can. You genuinely asked that out of like 
that's who you are. And so I love that. I'm like taking notes on the people in my world constantly, but yeah, I'd love to just kind of like have that, that conversation about mental health and how that serves the good of the whole. Well, I think a um, couple things. So <laughs> I have certainly not arrived. I, I think the train's lot left the station, but you know, it, it feels like maybe a never ending train here that we're on. So one of the most important things for me online and in real life has been to show up with my workbook open, show up with showing my notes and also not being, you know, I think, I think so many of us, uh, we want to show up with the finalized report. Here is the finished product. Here is me as a finished product. I am healthy mentally. I have all my trauma sorted and here it is, you know, it's all got those like, you know, addictively sticky little like bookmarks on the side that I used to love from like, you know, staples. But but that's not the reality of of life or of mental health. We we don't sh- we don't arrive one day and we don't have a book report on it. And so I think a lot of people want to keep their notebooks closed or to themselves or they don't want to open their notebook at all because it's too hard to be on a journey that doesn't end. So for me, my practice with sharing my mental health and bettering my mental health is to do so at the pace I can handle at that moment with the resources that I have available to me mentally, financially, emotionally. But whatever and wherever I'm at to keep my notebook open so that people can look in and see that there's someone else doing the work, first of all, that it's okay to not be finished, that there are stops and starts, that there's hope potentially. Like, you know, if if someone's years behind in their journey, that there's hope for what's to come. But if, but there's also so much to learn and we all have so much to learn and, and there's so many uh, amazing, beautiful resources out there. And, and if you have your workbook open, people can look in and say, oh, I didn't know that was a resource for me. Or, oh, wait, I also feel that way. Or I went through that. And, you know, I think when you, when you display your journey with mental health, or at least you share it, and most people wouldn't choose to share it on Instagram. I do, but I'm a sick, sick, sick woman. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I don't, it doesn't need to be on the internet. It just needs to be with, it can be with your best friend. It can be with your coworker. It can be with a group of friends. It can be with a church group, a therapist, whatever it is. Like keeping your book open for people to witness so that they feel like they can be alongside you. And, and if people have the book shut and they don't want to do the work, sometimes just seeing someone else do it is one of the best motivators you can have because you're like, oh, wait, it's not stigmatized that I do this or there's not something wrong with me because, you know, we always envy and see other people's lives as better than our own. Other people always have it handled better than us. And so if if you see someone with a life you admire or a relationship that you admire or, you know, a mindset that you admire, but they're sharing the notes and saying, oh, I'm still working on it. Like, and here's what I've done, but like, here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't. And, and here's the path that I'm set on. Like, what permission there is to go on the journey 
I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I love the metaphor of keeping your notebook open. Um, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I think I'm so grateful for the strides we've made as a society to talk about mental health. And I'm so um, anticipatory about where it can still go. And I love that it's getting less stigmatized and people are beginning to talk about it more. But I think like what you just said of like, you get a share and that might be the catalyst for whatever someone else needs. And you get to share what's working right now. And what's working right now may not have worked a year ago for you. Um, at the beginning of what you were saying now, you said like, what do I need right now? And what resources do I have right now? Because the reality is like, I think a lot of times people count out like, well, I don't have the money for X, Y, Z. I don't have the time for X, Y, Z. And there's always something we can do with what we have to invest in care for our state of being. And so making it more achievable and approachable and conversational, I know it's something we're super passionate about, but it seems like I'm so grateful that you're spreading that because it just it has such a ripple effect. When we get well, uh, people around us get well and they get well. And our, our mission at Onsite is to build an emotionally well world and reconnect humanity like one person at a time. And it starts with like you and you being able to do that and share that with your community. And that just doesn't mean online, but in your real life. And um, I know in my chosen family, even I know when my, my chosen family knows when I'm not taking care of my mental health. I know when they're not like, and it, and it's, I almost like irresponsible to the people I love, you know, it's like, if I want to be a good partner, I got to take care of myself. If I want to be a good aunt and friend, like we got to start with ourselves. And if we, I think we get so caught up in helping other people, serving other people. Um, but if we're not doing it for ourselves, if we don't keep our own notebook open and begin to talk about it, we can't, can't do it for others. Yes. Shanae, I could, obviously we will probably hang up here and then, We'll talk more. <laughs> <laughs> I do have some errands to run. So we always talk on the phone while I'm in the car. Just pop so. in the pods. Yeah. yeah, pop it, pop in the Bluetooth. Oh, and uh, I'll be talking to you in probably, what, 15 minutes. Can't wait. As we wrap this conversation, one of the things we love to ask our guests is what's a centering practice that's kind of bringing you home to yourself? I know you've got a lot of them, but if you could share, I think, like the most accessible Something for everyone just on the heels of what Hannah described, like we all have, you know, finite resources, but with just like what's in our hand, what can we, what can we do this week? So actually a friend of ours told me this once and she had moved away from me and we we were playing phone tag at one point and I kept trying to call her and call her and call her and, and she was calling me back. We kept missing each other and it felt very frustrating. And, and then there was like a week that went by that I didn't call back and I just got busy. And I called her one day and I said, I'm so sorry. Like, I feel like I've been such a bad friend and blah, blah, blah. And she said, if you can, if we continue to apologize to each other about when we don't show up, we will stop showing up. And I think catch yourself in the moments when you're apologizing for your humanity and how you're dealing with your community and the ones that you love. And instead of an apology, offer a thank you for patience, offer maybe nothing, maybe just go into it. Maybe just skip the shame in dealing with connection because there's so much of it. And if someone truly loves you, nothing nothing happened that is is not repairable or that you know, that is going to affect a relationship long-term. Like we're all showing up the way that we can. And so this week, instead of perhaps not doing for fear of having to make the apology, just do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I love you, Hannah. 
obviously. I know, I love you. Hannah, I love you too, girl. So glad we met. So glad we met. And all the listeners love you. I know it. I just know it. Well, guys, let's all just get together. Let's go just hang out. Let's do an on-site retreat. Why not? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Thank you, Sinead, for being with us. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 1-800-341-7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.